Welcome to the Woke Blokes podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Woke Blokes podcast. Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing here, joined as always by Nick Sutherland from MindFit. Nico, how are you today? I'm feeling very fit in my mind. How are you feeling? <laughs> oh, you're, you're really, you're really repping your own brand, aren't you? Um, I'm embodying, I'm embodying it, man. I've got to, um, got to practice what you teach. So no, I'm feeling good. It's been uh, interesting. I'm stoked because you're back. You're, you're living in the in the local area. You're just down the road. So that's, um, that's got me all up and about. I know, mate. Just down the road now. Uh, um, but yeah, works flat out. Yeah, I know, and they're beautiful. And beautiful. Uh, ripping the lid off a few sherbets and watching the sun go down. So, um, and getting out on the golf course a bit more with you. So, um, yeah, welcome back. Yeah, well, works just flat out. Works just gone. It's like someone's turned the tap on, and it's like every day there's a couple of blokes ringing up, and, and it's, all, it's all men at the moment just going, hey, so, yeah, my mate's been seeing you, you know, can I come and have a chat, I need to do some work, got this going on, that going on. Um, so, yeah, we're pumped at the moment, which is which is great, and I'm excited about today's guests, uh, first for MindFit. Um, it's going to be four awesome. of us today. Ooh. We're having a foursome, I know. He's in the fishbowl. We're not on the golf course. It's a different kind of foursome. <laughs> um, I know, right? But before you introduce the guest, Nick, um, just a question, just on what you said, I'm finding the same thing, um, very busy, and I've kind of found that in previous years around this time of year as well. Is that something you've seen as well? Like this time of year tends to get busier for us? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good chat, good chat. It's going to be a great chat. Yeah, good chat, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. No, no, I don't really tend to... Yeah, I don't it's know. It's not or you Perhaps, don't know. Yeah. It's not or you don't know. I don't know. I'm ignorant. All right. All right. Can you introduce <laughs> our guest then, Nick? <laughs> sure. So our guests today, um, are, yeah, similar to what I was saying before about heaps of blokes coming in and doing the work. Um, these these guys are, are just your typical Aussie blokes. They're two best mates that work together. Um one of them came in first and and did some work, and then the other one sort of went mm, might have me some of that and um, came in, and then his his wife came in and did some work too. So um, I am I am honoured to introduce onto the Woke Blokes podcast Cam and Chris today. Hey, Hello. welcome Yay. boys! Thanks for having us. Yeah, very very excited to be here. Honoured. For those just listening and not watching on YouTube, the boys are that close. They've even got the same computer. They're rubbing shoulders. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so cute. <laughs> it's, like, it's like they are literally slowly morphing into the, the one person. <laughs> They're attached to each other. Just, yeah. Is it a healthy attachment? <laughs> it's, it's a healthy attachment, yeah. You have separate wives, but they're the same name, so... <laughs> <laughs> very closely to be the same. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm looking forward to chatting today, boys. I'm, I'm really excited about kind of this trend that's starting to emerge where there's guys like, and I'm sure the listeners are going to find out today, you guys just really down to earth blokes, blokey blokes, you know, love a laugh and that kind of thing. Um, but are also, you know, open to starting to work on our mental and emotional health and that kind of thing. So I'm really, really excited to, to dig into that today. So was it Chris and Chris or Cam that they came in to see Nick first? Yeah, I came in first and, um, yeah, got Chris on board after a few weeks of being there. So, Yeah, and how did that come about? It was, it was, the, the, it was, the, it was I, the universe again. Yes, the universe did, did speak to me. I, um, I'd have to agree with that. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a long story short. Um, I was selling a drum kit on Facebook Marketplace and... Had a lot of people asking about it, but finally had one serious person come have a look at it, and his name was Nick Sutherland from MindFit. And, and, and not, not, not serious by nature, more serious by wanting to actually buy the drum kit. Wanting to actually <laughs> buy it, yeah. And um, 
we got talking and I was on a bit of a search to uh, get some help with my mental health as I tried a, a fair few things over the years and I was slowly getting there and working out things. But when I spoke to Nick, everything he was saying made a hell of a lot of sense and was very relatable and um, eventually went and saw him. What was and, that? And, but well, we'll dive a bit deeper into the story because it was, it was funny because I, I was there at Cam's house. He had a Datsun 200B station wagon in his garage um, and, and that was my first car. So there was all these little synchronicities and they were standing there chatting like, and this is, you know, half an hour from where I live from, from where, from where my fit is. And we're just standing there chatting and he suddenly hear this, g'day Nick. And we look around, there's this dude running past. It's, it's, um, one of my clients who's been a guest on here, Glenn. Um, <laughs> so Glenn was just at his missus house running past Cam's house while I was there. And then did a lap and then came back and you know, g'day Nick again. Cause I was still there. Like I was there for about <laughs> an hour and a half. So, and that was funny. And then I think, I think, um, Cam, you, Danny, your wife sort of kept poking you and prodding you. Are you going to go and see him? Are you going to go and see him? And it, it took you a while to, to reach out, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, just quickly on that, um, on Glenn, he, he owns a 12 round fitness or, or one of the, places yeah. which i was actually trialing out at the time and i'm yeah. like there's, there's another synchronicity and uh, i was like <laughs> hmm, that's that's weird um but yeah so yeah, i took nick's card after our um, long chat in my garage and him buying the drum kit and i'm like i i came inside and i said danny i gotta go see this bloke and she's like yeah i saw him out there he even dresses like you <laughs> 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 I'm like, yeah, we have a lot in, seem to be a lot in common. And then um, I'm like, I'm going to make an appointment with him. And then COVID hit and I used all those excuses that, oh, he's probably not working and oh, I'm going to get there. I have every intentions of um, making the appointment. And then Danny made it the discovery session appointment for my as a surprise for my birthday um, June last year. And... Yeah, haven't haven't looked back. So she sort of helped me. Come on, you can go do it. Yeah. It's <laughs> a classic, know. classic bloke thing, isn't it? It's like, you know, going to the doctors or something like that. And you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll do it later, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. And then um, you know, a few weeks, few months go by, and oftentimes we do just need that that little bit of a push, don't we? And like you said, we you say uh probably not working because of COVID, but we know after especially after doing a bit of work, we're like, yeah, that was an excuse for me putting it off, wasn't it? It was because I Another excuse was at the time I was feeling fine. Like I was, I was okay. So I'd, I'd learned to be reactive. So when I felt crap, then I would go try and figure it out. But if I felt good, I, I wouldn't be proactive. So that's one thing that Nick, Nick's taught us is to be proactive, which helps so much. It's so, so important, isn't it? Like what I find with clients is we, we go through – you know, even my own life, my own history, we go through these ups and downs, these peaks and these troughs. And when we're down in the trough and we're feeling, you know, very negative, we're in a negative headspace and that kind of thing, we really don't want to reach out then because we're in, we're in that such a negative place. Our, our tendency is to want to isolate further than we already are. So we don't reach out. And then we start to come out of that trough and come up to a peak. But the problem is we get to a bit of a peak and we're like, I'm fine now. No problem. It's all good. No problem. Yeah. So, we, so we don't get help at either stage. And then we could, because we haven't addressed anything, we end up back in the trough, back in the peak. And then all of a sudden, you know, we look back at our life and go, shit, I've been doing this for years. I've just been doing this up and down yes. without actually reaching out. Yes. Well, I'd worked out that, you know, we learn about um, the fundamental pillars. And um, so I sort of call it your, your, found, your foundations. My foundations weren't, very strong, but I'd build on that. And then either little things over time would happen or something big would happen and it would shake me. And because my foundations weren't strong, that's when I'd go down. Yep. So now we've learned to um, have stronger foundations and, and those fundamental pillars. You can build on that. If something shakes you, you're not going to crumble. You're not going to go down a dark hole. I love that. So we'll tell the listeners a little bit about those pillars. You know, what kind of things are we talking about here? 
Um, I've got to remember them now. So relationships, obviously. <laughs> well, you guys, you guys well, are sorted. You guys are sorted there. Before, but, 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 before we before we throw Cam, Cam on the spot and put him under the spotlight, uh, I guess you know when I was when I was creating this framework, I looked back at my life and has you you did right. You know things are good. I, I don't need help. Yeah, you know, and then we we start isolating when we're not feeling great and. Coming through the army, I had um, you know, so I talk in here about you know work, family, friends, hobbies as as the four main components, and and whether one common denominator. And when when we're in a good place, then we're in a position to to. But when I was in the army, you know, I blew my knee out, so I lost my job. I couldn't do my work anymore. All my friends disappeared because I was getting bullied and bastardized, and then my family was. I'm in Victoria and I was in Darwin, so there was no internet or anything back then, so I felt disconnected from them. Um, and I couldn't run anymore, and running was a huge part of my life. It was a passion of mine. So I realized when all of those things were taken away from me, yeah, that's where I went crashing down. I was very codependent on having them in place to, to, to feel good. So I didn't have, uh, as Cam's been alluding to, much of a, a foundation in place um so when i did the work on myself and and everything then you know next time life happened as it, as it tends to do and i went through a divorce um i had the, those foundations much stronger i cleaned out all the dead wood and all the rotting stumps and everything and, and replaced it and yeah i just I, I came through that divorce really clean and healthy um and it's it's funny how many people keep trying to build Build and you know, this this life on a on a foundation that just can't support it. So it keeps keeps falling down, keeps crumbling down, and they wonder why. And then they rebuild it, and years later, then it all comes crashing back down again, and they get stuck in that cycle. So that's a that's a credit to to the boys and to to people who come and do the work because they've got that emotional intelligence to realize oh, it's a definition of madness doing the same thing expecting different results so um when they came in you know you just unpack it on the whiteboard and and we won't put you on this what can but the, the first of those fundamentals is priorities and really prioritizing yourself so you're actually in a position where you can give to your relationships instead of just being in survival needs. So this is where we help people to become emotionally self-sufficient instead of just uh, um, becoming very needy. And then we can enter healthy relationships like the boys have got now. They're not codependent on each other. They're in a very lovely um, interdependent relationship. So, And that's not just with people, but with things in our life. Has, I mean, you specialize in it with drugs and alcohol and all that sort of stuff. And that's why you and I take a break from things from time to time to, to see what the health of that relationship's like. Mm. And then the last two are probably the most important. You know, we our operating system, so how... how you know, but there's a big difference between who we are and how we're operating. So the boys sitting here were amazing, lovely guys, but the way they're operating wasn't reflecting that um, in a lot of um, areas of their life or in certain circumstances. Uh, and then the, the thinking styles was the, the big one, the, the, just the critical thinking that people were employing and all these cognitive distortions. And it's, I don't know, boys, how was it when I, when I write that list up and I say, do any of these resonate with you? And all of a sudden you just see the heads going, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, you look at it and you go, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Everything. Similar <laughs> to what Pam said before, you'd, I went in and thought I was just okay, um, was getting through life and I was fine, but Cam saw the writing on the wall and I used to obviously work with him a lot and he sort of was planting the seed for a long time because I've naturally been a little bit of a stre overly stressed person and I, I had a bit of anxiety um, with just general life issues. And at the time, uh, I genuinely believed that preparing myself for the worst case scenario was uh, actually doing a good thing for me. I was preparing myself for every situation. I was over overthinking it massively. And after seeing Nick, it was just like, wow, I've opened up all these doors and realised that that is not 
doing anything for me. All it's doing is creating this unnecessary suffering and anxiety. And as soon as I started just letting go and, you know, <clears throat> the situations that I was creating hadn't happened yet. They were never existed in the first place. Once I started thinking, you know, constructively, the anxiety just decreased massively. And I also understand that, you know, life's not perfect. I still have anxiety from time to time because that's a normal, natural human response. And I can take that on and accept it. But at the same time, I'm aware that it's there and I just have the ability now and the tools that Nick's given us to, to let that go and uh, just sort of move forward. So good. It reminds me of the quote, is it Mark Twain or someone? He goes, I've worried about many a thing in my life, you know, most of which or 95% of which never happened. And that's what yeah. we do, don't we? We prepare for the worst case. We worry about all these what ifs in the future and the vast, vast majority of them are never going to happen. So it's like, I spent all that energy. I know because I've done it myself for so much of my life. I spent so much energy worrying about shit that never happened. And it's quite, it's so freeing to be able to just go, Oh, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to think about that. Um, ruminate over that. The five, the five percent, the five percent that does happen, we can actually handle. We can actually manage. You know, and it, it doesn't. It doesn't help bad. us to it, overthink about that five percent either. We like deal yeah, with it as a no, comes. no. But we're creating this illusion of, of of heaviness and this illusion of it's terrible and doom and gloom and all that sort of stuff. But the reality is, most of it never happens. And, and when it does happen, we're actually like, oh shit, actually handle that no one died still got all my arms and legs all right yeah everyone good cool let's keep moving forward so it's just yeah it's because great the, to see the boys that are in a yeah because the the worry that that fear sounds funny like ridiculous but it is a survival mechanism yeah that, yeah that fear that underlying worry is kind of like well whatever if this happens i'm not going to make it through that right and it gets as, as trivial as like, you know, what if someone at work thinks ill of me or what if I, you know, get fired from a job or this friend doesn't like me and it's like, I'm not going to survive that. So of course you're going to survive that. <laughs> you're not going to die. But, but that, that fear mechanism thinks that we will. That, um, if you listen to Chris, I was saying that, um, if you, sorry, Cam, it was just Chris, Chris was saying, you know, he, he kept thinking, preparing himself for the worst case scenario. So he's constant in that survival. He's, he's in that fight flight. So it's just adrenaline and cortisol pumping through the system. So he's getting really wound up. And how, how, how were you unwinding, Chris? How, what, was your, what was your way of unwinding? I wasn't. <laughs> I, I, would, I would stay in that space until the problem that I, oh, well, right. I, yes, I would. Uh, Definitely go home and have a few frothies to relieve some of the anxiety at times. That's definitely one of the other doors that were opened by Nick that I never really realised was a Coping was a uh, problem at the time. But after having a bit of a chat, yeah, had a bit of a unhealthy relationship with alcohol at the time too. So yeah, that's another thing that we've we've worked on, and yeah, it's another sort of one of those wow factors that you walk in and you think you're okay and everything's fine, but in reality, it's it's not about being fine. There's such a better way to live life. Like, why do you want to get through life and just be be fine and okay when you've got all these people that can help you and give you all these tools and mechanisms to get through? Like, yeah, I, I genuinely hope someone listens to this podcast and realise if they're on the if they're on the uh, the sort of the fence between going to see someone. You know, I never looked at this as uh, therapy, even though it's cognitive behavioral therapy i've always <laughs> looked at it as more of a you know an investment in my own mental health and just yeah. having a healthier mind yeah that's that's what me and nick talk about all the time it's exactly that chris you explained it so well it's you know maybe we need to abandon the word therapy you know and just think about it like we would looking after <laughs> Nick's put his hand <laughs> Did you? Yeah, we might need to abandon that word because you know, like, like Nick's business is called Mind Fit because it's like, yeah, we gotta we gotta keep on top of this stuff and treat it like going to the gym or running or eating healthy or you know, looking after ourselves in that respect as opposed to it being therapy because a lot of time we don't we don't eat well or exercise. Um, some people do, but we don't generally do it because our health is completely fucked. It's very hard yeah. to actually do it in that situation. We do it because we want to be proactive. We want to keep moving in the right direction, and and that's yeah what we're trying to do with mental and emotional health. And you boys are but no no one's going to the gym and saying oh I'm going to work on my physical health. I'm going to go to the gym today to work on my physical health. They're going to say I'm going to work on my physical fitness. 
Yeah. So yeah. if we can reframe and start talking about mental fitness, or I did a proposal for a shire from Queensland, and and I said to them, a barrier to to doing presentations that is is labelling it as a mental health presentation. And I said, so I'd like to reframe it to. Uh, our mental fitness or, or even better for, for a bit is a mental wellness presentation. And it's like, let, let's, let's be mentally well. Let's be emotionally well. And, and what Chris is talking about, you know, the majority of, of people in the world are just in, in survival mode and they're just fine and they're just okay. It's just head above water next day, next day, and just coping and coping. And, and there is such an amazing capacity to thrive instead of just surviving and I think that's what the boys are experiencing now is that they're now just, it's like, wow, well, well, we can actually thrive. We can excel. We can, we can feel great. not just fine. What, what is this voodoo magic? I was, as, also, you, as you're saying that, sorry, Cam, I'll get you jump in. But just, as you're saying that, I'm like a lot of people and maybe myself as well, you know, go to the gym. Cause like I want abs or I want big guns or I want like you know, a nice ass or something. Right. So I was trying to think about that with mental health and it's like, you know, look at, Look at the Jack Neo cortex on that guy. Or look at her tight little amyg- amygdala. I'm like, look at the regu- <laughs> look at the regu- regulated nervous system over here. <laughs> you know, sex sells. Maybe we need to make it sexy somehow. That's what I was, was going to say. Like, you've, you've literally you've made it fun. Like, you, with your physical health, you can if if you want to get um, more healthier physically, you can make it fun. You can go play soccer with your mates or you can go for a run with your mates or go for a run listening to your favorite music it's hard but you can make it fun but um with the tools that we learn with nick is you can make it fun as well because you can literally laugh at yourself how irrational you're being instead of staying in a like a a really bad black hole or or negative space or, or something like that um you can literally take a step back, look at yourself and just laugh. Oh, geez, I'm being real irrational about that. And it kind of becomes fun. And that's that's a mental rep that you've done that you've made fun. So it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. You can make this as, as fun quite, as you want. Like I, I think it I think it can be I think it can be sexy as well, though, Hass, because you know, there, there's nothing more beautiful about a person than than you know, seeing someone confident in and comfortable in their own skin or mm. or when someone's compassionate or when someone's you know check out the equanimity on that bloke you know it's it's <laughs> when 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 so when someone's when someone's really calm and composed and present with you and and, and connected that that is a beautiful thing that is a very attractive quality in people so I mean, uh, I know Danny said that, you know, she always thought Chris was a bit rough around the edges, but now he's done this work and nothing's changed, but she's, she's seeing him in a whole new light and God damn it, are the, it's like rabbits over there now. There's babies <laughs> going to be popping out left, right and centre. Another baby Ooh. before you know it, mate. Well, we have had a baby, I know. baby since seeing you, so that's... Uh... <laughs> that was classic though. So so Chris Chris and his wife came to see me. Chris sort of was a couple of weeks ahead of Danny. Um, and Danny finished her 12-week program two days, I think, before she gave birth. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then sort of came in and... and Bought Yuki the baby, and after a couple of you know a week or so later to to introduce her to him, and she's like, I don't know how any couple gets through childbirth and becomes parents without doing you know a program or without doing this sort of work. Just, <laughs> she's like, it's it's so crazy. I do actually I, look at that. I actually think back to the um to the birth a little bit and go, oh, I wonder how I would have coped in that scenario without doing the 12 week course, because there was so many things I did in that situation where I was able to sort of kind of live in the reality of what is at the moment and sort of let go of it because it was a, you know, pretty full on experience. And yeah, I do wonder what the difference would be. And it wouldn't have been a good difference. I can pretty much guarantee. <laughs> so it definitely it just remind, reminds me of that fuck this shit, I'm out. Go in the pub, tell me when you're done. I'll come back and meet the baby. I'm out. (laughs) Pretty much. Well, we've sort of spoken about this. Um, When my daughter was born, it was was quite, the birth was actually quite um, traumatic for me 
for me and and Danny. I mean, I didn't give birth, obviously, <laughs> but um, without going into too much detail, it was it was full on, and we're very lucky that she's here today. She's nine years old now, and um, everything's all good. But um, at that time, I think I was sort of in a pretty vulnerable space anyway. Like we already had a, a two year old, our son, and um. I obviously hadn't done any work with Nick back then. And I, I think I had some sort of um, post-traumatic stress after that because we almost lost the baby. Danny was in, um, you know, there was a threat to her life and it was a full-on three days, no sleep and stuff like that. And then I, everything was all good. But after that was a slow decline for a few years where I, you know, I, I used coping mechanisms like, like um, running. I had to run 10 Ks a day to, to be able to feel good. And I got really skinny and unhealthy and I slowly went down, went downhill. But so the difference is I've tried to do it all on my own, but Chris had got the help. So he's got those, the yeah. fundamental pillars and the, and the foundations that he's, it's going to be tough times, but he's going to be fine. Like he's, he's worked it out. No, he's not. He's going to be better than fine. Yeah. <laughs> better than fine. Yeah. So we, we talk about that comparison all the time. So it would have been a completely different story for me had I had the education from Nick. Exactly. I might add as well. Like we, and I, I think, Sorry, Chris. So one of my favourite client stories is when Cam came in one day. It was probably about week eight or nine, maybe ten. He's like, Nick, it, it worked. It's, it's worked. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, oh, and he told me this story about coming home from work and, he, and his daughter it was, a, it was a bit cranky, had a cranky pants on and it was her birthday coming out. Remember that story, Cam? Yes. Yep. And 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 so he'd been able to self manage and self regulate throughout the day because work was a big source of stimulus um, for him to create stress. And so he, he used to come home pretty wound up. But he came home calm, composed, and, and then his his daughter <laughs> you know, he gets home and hey, my family's here. And his, his daughter goes, "Daddy, you're not coming to my birthday party." And well, and know. he was just able to. Hey, I don't think that was me, but we'll go with that. <laughs> Wasn't it? <laughs> it that. was. It definitely was. It definitely oh, was. Because it was. I remember you telling me, and you were saying, um, and then you just stayed there, and you just went, "Oh, that's okay," and you made it about her because we didn't been doing oh, all this work around. Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't. Yeah, sorry, that that was me, but it wasn't her birthday party. She she didn't want to go to her. Uh, she didn't want to do a dance thing, her dance. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 But you didn't take it personally. You just stayed there and made it a bad hair and you're like, oh, that's okay. And, and he said it was, that was the first time you were really able to sit and observe, wasn't it? Yeah, because the thing was is, is you look at your kids and you want to end their suffering straight away. Like it's your job to end their, their suffering and she'd been working really, really hard on this dance routine, which she needed to, because I think it was lockdown and they were making a video. So we needed to video her doing this dance routine that she'd worked so hard on. She'd choreographed it herself and it looked beautiful. But she, as kids do, she got in a, a mood or um, was starting to be irrational. And we're like, oh, we really wanted to, to do this dance. Like, We know she can do it. And it's easy to get um, to try and get them out of that suffering, but I stood back, let her do her thing, observed it, listened to her, and like kids do, she got herself out of it and she went and did the dance and everything was fine. But I can see how some parents find it easy to go, stop crying, stop doing this, you're being stupid. Let's just let's just get you going. Let's let's get you doing this dance. But stop being so irrational. Yeah, stop being a kid. You're supposed to just do what I say. Yeah. Being an adult. Yeah, so it was that was definitely a turning point for me to be able to step back, observe, and not take it personally because she's yelling and screaming at you and, and things like that. And and look what happened. So good. So 
So you let go of your attachment to what you think should have happened, let go of your attachment to the desired outcome and, and stop being controlling because you were heightened and you just stayed calm and composed and then trusted her that she'd come back around to it and she did it and it all it all sort of turned out in the end. So, But there was, there was a great example of how he didn't need to create this this narrative around it, and that means that she's she's this and she's a terrible child, and you know all of that was bypassed, and all of this, this suffering was bypassed because he just sort of went, yeah, okay, this is this is just you being you. This is, you you're a child, you're meant to be irrational, yeah, but you flow, yeah, okay, cool, but you know I trust that you got it, and yeah, so it was, it was a great example. I loved it when Ken came in, and they're like, oh, and how's that? Like, I can't wait to be like this all the time. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it is funny looking back like I, I still look back over the the notes from the 12-week course and some of the the things that come out of your mouth you're like how how did i not know that i was that massive distortion in my head was was there spaghetti brain mm. Yeah. So it's awareness, isn't it? Oh, it's that, it's that's you can't, you can't see the forest for the trees. So, yeah, you know, you're in it. And I'm, it, has to, it has to say, I'm, I still get distorted. I still have my things. And that's why I continue to go and see um, someone once a month just to you know, have someone running near over me because I know that I can't hear myself all the time. I, I've, I've worked really hard to try and be conscious of what I'm saying and, and you know, in, in the eightfold path in Buddhism, right speech. Uh, so I really try and be aware of that. But um, you know, I, I, I'm still I still have a human brain, so it's still going to yeah. play out from time to time. The, yeah. the other one, the other one I get it's, it's when when a client says, "Can't wait for it to be like this all the time," or they say, "Well, I think I'm fully healed and there's nothing left yeah. to do," and I'm like, "Oh, red, red flag, red flag." <laughs> I'm like, oh, so you've reached yeah. enlightenment. Oh, you've reached enlightenment. Yeah. Hello, Buddha. Hello, Jesus. <laughs> throw, throw, throw some glitter. Throw some glitter at you, and, and they'll start bowing to you. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> they levitate out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Session. Nick said to me because I I was always well. The first time Nick asked me where I wanted to be at the end of the twelve weeks, I said that I wanted to be a hundred percent. No anxiety. That, yeah. I wanted to be perfect. Set the bar high. Yeah, I like it. Shut that out of me real quick. Yeah. <laughs> One of the biggest. I think I, I think I actually stuck my head out of the office and yelled at Shane. I was like, "Hey, Shane, we've got another one in here. He wants to be perfect. <laughs> he wants to be a hundred. He wants to be hundred percent responsive." <laughs> and I think that goes back to what Cam was saying earlier. We try and make it a bit light. We try and have a bit of fun with it. And, yeah. Instead of going, oh well, no, that's 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 just completely unrealistic. You know, <laughs> I think uh, uh, that that you shouldn't be like that. It's just let's, let's be playful with it. And one of the most amazing things of the twelve weeks that I found, as Cam said before, the turning point. I think everyone has a turning point when they're learning this stuff. Where, and I think from memory, I, I reckon it was probably about the eight week mark for me where I was working on my mental reps every day, trying to use everything at work, everything in life. Everything was a mental rep. Wasn't always successful. Still got, you know, sometimes a stimulus got the better of me, as it still does. <laughs> um, but there was a turning point at about eight weeks where there was a, a few triggers that I found myself in that space between stimulus and response, and I was, I was able to observe it and go, oh, I'm here. I'm not angry. <laughs> and yeah, that was the that was the moment that I was like, oh, this rewire rewiring your brain bullshit actually works. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 hard to it's hard to quantify, you know. It's not like, well, uh, I looked at my body composition at the gym or something, I can see the improvement. So it's a bit harder to quantify. And I think it's really important what you said, because that seems to be the the way to quantify it when you're in a situation and you remain present and aware, and then you think, Oh man, I would have flown off the handle at this a couple of months yeah. ago. Wow. Well, this, this is, this is different. change. It's a lifestyle change. It's not a, it's not a permanent fix. You don't go in there and you just fix. This is just the tools you learn to change your lifestyle and actually be able to 
respond the way you want to respond, not the way that your mind chooses you to respond. You have a <laughs> That's choice. a great way of putting it. Your mind uses you to respond. Yeah. Um, that, I, I was chatting with a client last night. He, he, he didn't think he needed to do a maintenance program, and then all of a sudden rings me, yeah, so that maintenance program. Yeah, <laughs> I might need to jump on that wagon. And he rings me and he, he put it so beautifully. Uh, I said, I'm going to borrow this. Thank you for this gift. And he said, it's like, you know, you don't go to the gym, jump on a treadmill and expect to run through, you know, the handles at the end of the treadmill. It's just a, you, you, you're going to keep going, 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 going. There's no, there's no end point. There's no stop. And that that's what this is like, you know, doing the work. It's, yeah, you're on a treadmill, but you're going to get stronger and stronger and fitter and fitter. And, and But there's no there's no end point. There's no, no one day, oh, I, I don't have to... Uh, hey? There's no destination. Mm. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, the destination is getting on the treadmill. It's and that's, that's, the, that's yeah. the beauty of it. Yeah. Other thing I'll, I'll add so, as well is, most, like Cam and myself have been... We've always tried to read books and sort of developmental things to try and become sort of better at these sort of stuff. But I will add, um, none of it really sunk in too well when I was reading it through books. Mm. I feel like if anyone else is listening, that's sort of, once again, on the fence of trying to go and see someone personally, um, when you actually sit down in front of someone and put your own life out on the table, everything sinks in so much better. You don't, yeah, it just works. I don't know. I can't explain it. Well, it's the difference between intellectualizing it and and embodying it. You know, there's no one in the book is challenging you. No one in the book is yeah. reflecting to what it is that you're doing on the spot. So, it's 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 a great source of theory. It's a great source of information, but it's it's really hard to to take it and apply it because it's it's not practical. Yeah. Well, that's it. Like we we're obviously we're tradies, so we everything we work off is plans or diagrams. And when someone puts basically your brain up on a whiteboard to see, show you how it works, you go, oh, yeah, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's literally drawn out for you. So it's that, it's yep. like, yeah. That's my brain. Yeah, that's what happened. So how do we fix, well, how do we help prevent that from happening? Yeah. Nice reframe. Do you hear that, Has? Instead oh, of fixing, because yeah, it's not, it's not broken. It's, it's, yeah. Look yeah. at this to go. Yeah, stopped myself there, didn't I? A plus shoes, too. It's a year it's of also, training, right there. It's also, I think, when you start to put your story out there, it's a lot of a lot of the, you know, the beliefs, the stories, the narratives that we have about ourselves and what the world's like are all up here, and they've been kind of marinating up here for so many years. Then when also you start to externalize them out to someone else who if they're skilled enough will be able to reflect back then all of a sudden as soon as the words come out there's things that you say and then you can almost just see the words and you're like oh shit is that what i really think about myself or is that what i really think about the world and you know a good therapist when you say certain things will just stare back at you and you'll kind of be like yeah that's bullshit isn't it and so you become aware of your own bullshit your belief systems and all this stuff which is so much more powerful than a a book or anything like that Remember, yeah. remember Amanda, the the Olympian, um, yep. and, and she she used to say it's like there's a wire screen on the office door. It's like the the no bullshit filter. As soon as they they walk through that thing and sit down, it's like they, they can't hide anything because you know, and, and it's it's um, you know ninety five six whatever percent of what we do is is unconscious. It comes from our subconscious. So so many people are speaking mindlessly. They're not actually present and conscious of what they're saying. So when you, you just gently reflect it back to them, do you realize you just said this? They're like, oh, did I? Oh, what? Oh, oh, no, I wouldn't have said that. And you're like, no, you did. I'm like, oh, fuck. Uh, no, that's, yeah, that's a helpful one. Then, then it, but it, it puts them in a position where they can start, you know, changing and catching themselves. So it's, it's um, yeah, it's just awareness again. Yeah, yeah. Chris, can you tell me um, a little bit more? I'm interested in maybe the the point of you coming forward and getting help because, you know, Cam, Cam had been, he'd been doing a bit of work on yourself. Um, was yeah. it a matter of kind of you seeing some differences in Cam or was it like Cam going, oi, go and, go and speak to someone, go and speak to this guy? Uh, I was like a lot of people where I was hesitant to do anything and I thought I was fine and all that, like we said before. But, um, yeah, Cam had been 
seeing the uh, distortions in me for a while and uh, had given me <laughs> self-help books in the past. <laughs> um, read this book, it'll read help you um, Yeah. And also he started doing the course with Nick and um, I was hearing a lot about it and he was putting it out there and planting the seed and planting the seed. And then, um, yeah, okay. one day basically said to me, yeah, I think it's time. I think it's time you are. I got him with his most. I got him with his most vulnerable. I could see him really struggling yeah. with something, and I said, "All right, here's me moment." I'm like, seriously, <laughs> I gave him the mind fit card, well, and I said, "Look, what a, what a friend though! What a what a friend!" Yeah. And that's 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 what a best friend does is they they do the I love you enough to challenge you and to push you and to to want better for you. Um, I don't care if you're going to hate me for it or tell me to fuck off. I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna, you know, challenge you. Where, uh, you know, a nice friend will just enable you and go, oh yeah, you know, you're right. Here's a bastard. Oh poor you. Here, have another beer. You know, and and that that speaks volumes about a who who you both are, but the, about the the state of your friendship is you've got that accountability for each other. Let's let's keep each other accountable, and I think that's just amazing. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, when you when you um, start doing the work on yourself, you can. You're obviously more, like you said, aware of what you're doing, and then because you're more aware of that, you can see what other people are doing, and yeah, it it means nothing again. If if he wasn't open to it, then it would have been just shut off. So he was definitely open to it to to better yourself and, and feel better. You knew that there was a, a better way because you'd seen what I'd been doing. And um, But if he wasn't open to it, that was that would be the end of the story. The first hurt. Did you, did you call Chris or did, or did your Danny have to make the appointment for you as well? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I'm never going to live that down. <laughs> no, there is, a, there, is a, there is a little bit more to the story though too because I was, I was still, admittedly, I was still procrastinating about it. Uh, even after Cam gave me the card and I thought about it and thought about it. And then uh, myself and my wife both sat down one night and we were both having a bit of a moment. Um, I can't remember what was going on now, but um, yeah, I actually mentioned it to Danny as well and said, oh, look, Cam's given me this card. Um, maybe this is a good time for us to make this, you know, improve this shit that's going on because we clearly both sort of can be a lot better than what we are at the moment. And um, I'll, I'll yeah. never forget how Danny explained it to you because I, I think she <laughs> rang, she rang Nick and then she messaged you saying, Oh, Nick, the anxiety bloke's going to give you a <laughs> ring. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that, this, this is perfect. You, you, yeah, you're going to love this. Yeah. <laughs> so that, the, yeah. Ang- the anxiety bloke. Right. It sounds, sounds like, like a shitty superhero who's anxious about everything trying to save people. <laughs> yeah. There was, a, there was definitely a few... Ang- anxiety up man. Up, up and away, I think. <laughs> but, but, not, but not too high. But not too high. Because <laughs> I might die. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what we're all. like. I mean, obviously, my experience with anxiety was was you know crippled me. It was my kryptonite, my my the way that my mind was was acting, my imagination. You know, that's our uh, we have these superpowers, but they become our kryptonite um, when they when they go past that healthy point. So you know, just I I, see, I saw it in myself. My mind was running away. It wasn't present. It was getting up to so much no good and. I can see it in all the clients that pop in and, and reflect it to them without any judgment and help them to, to see it pretty quickly. But it's it's amazing when uh, when when you guys can start seeing your own distortions and then you start seeing it in everyone else. You're like, oh, it's everywhere. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, oh, everyone has to go and do this. I'm like, no, no, no. Just just keep it, keep doing it yourself. Practice it, embody it, live and breathe it. If anyone wants needs to do it, you know, they'll see it in you. And don't don't go and push this onto other people. Don't don't be don't be mind fit pushers. <laughs> That's me. Mind, mind fit. <laughs> yeah, that's. 
in a back alley with mine hey, man, the cards. Oh, mate, you want some of these? You want some of these? <laughs> oh, um, oh, you look a little bit geez, depressed, mate. Go see Anxiety Bloke. It's Anxiety Bloke. Actually, walk through the doors though when you're there for one issue, and mm. you think that's the end of it, but it opens so many other doors, and you realise pretty quick that it's not just anxiety or one problem. It's every. It's a. It's a full life life change. Like you. It's yeah, amazing how much this has helped me and Cam through situations at work, life, everything. Just it's like a it's like a barn find, you know. Chris Chris comes in, he's like a car that's been found in the barn, and, and you know, he he thinks that all it needs is a bit of a service. You lift the bonnet up, and there's a family of raccoons in there, and there's you know, <laughs> it's just the tires well. have been chewed out, and there's no blood. It's just like all right, we're and he goes, yeah, I just need a tune-up. And you're like, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, sure you do, buddy. <laughs> Sounds about right, yeah. I'm, I'm really, yeah, I'm just so interested in, especially for us guys, it's kind of, it takes such a time and, and a tipping point for us to finally, you know, book in and go see someone. And I think, you know, it, it doesn't have to be that way. Because I know, Nick, you would do, I don't know if you, you, this would be your discovery session, but most places would do, whether it's a phone call, a Zoom meeting or going in in person, doesn't have to be a full-on like first therapy session, but you can generally go in and just talk to someone and find out what they're about and maybe tell them a little bit about what's going on for you. And I know for us, you know, at the center, we would do the initial consultations, which was kind of that same thing everyone's uh, stress and anxiety and fears about getting help for their mental or emotional health all of a sudden calm down because they realize they're speaking to another human who's more likely than not been through something similar to them and overcome it. And it makes therapy, that word, um, much less scary than what it was before and, and a lot more open. So I just encourage people listening, like you can generally just have a chat to someone, you know, 15, 20 minutes and you can get a feel for whether you feel safe with that person and um, you want to move forward. And generally you will. Cam, you were saying that you, you tried a lot of things in the past and, and, you know, that helped to some degree and that, and, and I've got so many clients at the moment, once again, saying that, that they've been seeing someone and there's just no rapport there. There's no, it's too clinical for them. Um, so what was, what was the difference for you in, in, you know, what, what, what had you tried in the past? And, and you obviously knew that on some level you, you had to do some work and you, you, put your feelers out there and dipped your toe a few times what, what was what did you try and what was what was different this time well I tried a lot of um, psychologists over the years and um, and GPS and they just put you on antidepressants straight away um, without many questions um, and go see a psychologist which don't get me wrong there's definitely a place for those both those things for some people, but um, I think the the medication is more of a was more of a band aid and probably made made me more spaghetti brain where I tried a bunch of different ones and had enough sense to to come off and and um, try and do the work myself. But again, that doesn't work for everyone. Um, but also, I, I got to a point where I felt that bad. I'm like. I need to go see a, a psychiatrist. I need to, I need to step it up a bit and seeing a psychiatrist, which is someone that can prescribe drugs to you is, was probably one of the worst experiences I've ever had um, when it comes to my mental health, because I've really just um, felt like I was just shipped in and shipped out and just told to go on these drugs and you'll feel better. And so I literally did nothing for my foundations or my fundamental pillars. So if I was to compare psychology or psychiatrist where you go in, talk about your problems, which can feel great to get things off your chest and, and it's awesome things that did or didn't happen for you in your life, but then coming into MindFit, I had no idea that it was a different way where I could get I didn't have to go in and, and sit down with Nick and say, look, Nick, this is my story. This is what did happen to me. This is what didn't happen for me. I, I didn't have to do that. And I was kind of shocked. And we, we basically went straight into, um, yeah, how everything looks up on the whiteboard. And I'd say, yeah, that, that happens to me. And then I start getting tools to be able to help me 
out of those dark holes or, or anxiety or, or whatever it might be. So it's literally something that you can use straight off the bat and, yeah, not, not sitting in your pity party and going, oh, I'm sad because of this or whatever. You know, you, oh, you, I love it when a client tries to invite me to a pity party. Um, oh, oh, yeah. there you go. Uh, but we did, and so in the discovery session, you, I do want to learn a bit about your story, but not not because of what the story is necessarily, mm. because you've how you've been affected or not affected by it or, or whatever. So, and and I want to validate, you know, what you've experienced and what you're feeling as a result of that. And but then we sort of park it and go, all right, but we don't have to. We don't have to keep living in that narrative. We, there's so much value in that experience for you. Let's find all uh, the value and let's extract it all and, and become a better person for having been through that. Like I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you guys without my stuff and House wouldn't be you know, sitting here without his, you know, day and a half in jail. It's just... Um, it's more like two days. We, we need to... Okay. <laughs> My last 12, 12 hours was the hard time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and, it, and, it, and, and but that's what's what happens to me. You know, in my experience, going and getting help, it was pills and medication and, and tell me your story. And then, okay, this psychologist didn't work, so go to the next one and tell me your story again. And you get sick of telling your story. Um, and it it actually just deepens it all for you, anyway, and reinforces it all. So but yeah, it, yeah, I think it that... up and you stay there. Nick Nick showed me how to, you know, let go from certain things and and move on, like actual like physical tools to use to get out of that space. And it and it works much better than sitting in that space, and then you feel crap. <laughs> how did Cam? How did you feel um, after seeing that psychiatrist? Like, how, were you feeling disheartened after after that session? Mate, I felt like I'd gone to the top, and I I had no idea what else to do. Like, he was if if I yeah if I was to be blunt, he was a real dick. <laughs> like, like I was pretty vulnerable, and um, yeah, there's a I don't know. There's a certain way, I guess, he could have gone about it. Um, but I, like, I literally left that, and like, you you pay a lot of money to see these people, and you're literally getting nothing out of it except for yeah, you got to be on more pills or don't take this and and take that, and it's it it didn't help. So I, I did get to a point where I'm like. I saw the doctor that recommended me to him. I walked, I walked out on him. I said, mate, all your drugs, they don't fucking work. They just make me feel different. Mm-hmm. They don't help me. So I chucked them all in the bin and stopped taking them. I started seeing a different psychologist who started me on the path of sort of what uh, Nick teaches, which I was grateful for. But then I knew I had to go a bit further, which was when I was on a, on a search for someone like, Nick, because I felt good when I come off all the any medications and, and things like that. And um yeah, once I started seeing Nick, I knew this is this is what works for me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like it's like any any profession, like even tradies, you know, there's there's good ones and bad ones, there's shit ones and, and yeah. skilled ones, and that happens with psychiatry, psychology, and that kind of thing. But it's a story that I hear a lot, and it's like when we when we just go down the path of you know the system and those referral pathways, it's like uh, GP, medication, psychologist, psychiatrist. And when we yep. oftentimes we tick all those boxes, and then it is really that disheartened feeling because it's like, well, if I, I've done all that, and I still feel like shit. And the thing is, most people don't understand that there are you know there's different options out there. So you know, I encourage people listening who've maybe been down that path. Start having a look online at some, at some alternate options because it sounds like you know you guys obviously and from your story, Cam. Obviously, great that you're able to find Nick amongst all of the other yeah. stuff. Well, the funny thing it's, is, it's- I, I, the, sorry, the, the funny thing is, I would get that help, like I said, um, reactively, and by that time, I was in a as best way to describe it was like a state of depression. Um, but realistically, my problem was. Um, high anxiety so I'd, I'd get highly anxious and not know how to deal with it and over time that as you know that takes a lot of energy to be anxious all the time 
And then all of a sudden I'm feeling absolutely wrecked. Depression, as some people would, would see it, but the problem was high anxiety would put me into a, you know, I'd just be absolutely tired and want to sleep all weekend. So doctors would put me on something that would, you know, make me up, but because I was depressed, but realistically the problem was I was up all the time, like too heightened. And once that was worn out, then you'd get depressed. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then I'd get depressed. So then when I'd feel good again, I'd be heightened and be on these uppers. So I'd be like fucking crazy, (laughs) wouldn't I? Like I'd just be all over the place and it looked great on the outside it was funny and everything but inside i was wired and feeling horrible and then you'd crash again so if we'd work that out first and use tools for anxiety i'll never get that down that dark hole again yeah i think the the no, that's a great way of describing it mate and i think i think a lot of listeners will you know, really resonate with that as well um and, and we sit here and once again, we have to be so mindful and cautious of uh, what what I do isn't a magic pill and a magic wand or, a, you know, the, the best therapy in the world. What Hass does isn't isn't the best in the world. It's, it's just we do, our, we do our thing and it works. <laughs> we do our thing and, and it's effective and, and, you know, I think the, the, the um, results speak for themselves, but, I think we're outside of that mainstream system, um, and and I think what's different in here is is that in a, on on your journey, Cam, there was no compassion, and I think that was the the missing link in it. There was no uh, there was no understanding. Like you're you're a man in suffering and going, I'm in suffering. I, I need someone to help me because I'm in suffering. And everyone's like, Yeah, this will make you feel better. That'll make you feel better. That'll make you feel better. But there was no Let's actually sit with you and, and care about you, um, if that makes sense. Like you said, you got shipped in and shipped out. Like for someone in suffering who, imagine, and, and it's in the medical system as well, you know, <clears throat> emergency rooms and, and hospitals and all that, you know, so there's, and, and it's a lot of the time it's not the clinician's fault because it's the way the system's set up. So thankfully, you know, the, there's a lot of work being done on changing the system and, and lived experience practitioners are going to be a bigger part of that system moving forward. But there's still going to be shitty lived experience practitioners. Yeah, yeah. I know of some that you go and see and they haven't quite done the work on themselves. So they just, you know, they make it all about them um, in, a, in an unhelpful way. So, yeah, I, I think for, for listeners out there, it's, it's it's about taking that holistic approach. Try some Reiki. Try some kinesiology. Try some of this. Try some of that, you know, and and, and see what works and, and what, you know, I know a lot of people don't like sitting in a room talking about things, so they, they'll they go and try different approaches. But you found what worked for you, and that's the main thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I love yeah, exactly. it. Lads, we're... Um, well, we're com- I've said to you before, Nick, when it comes to um, people in, in sort of your field of work, you've got sort of the two types of people yourself where you, you know, live and breathe it and you've walked a mile in someone else's shoes. Whereas then you've got some other people that just, it's just a job. They've got the spigot on the wall. They've gone to uni. They know a bit, but there's a missing pillar there. And it really does show uh, when you go and sort of talk to these people, you can tell that there's, there's something missing. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, I've got, to, I've got to stop walking a mile in people's shoes because I keep getting arrested for stealing people's shoes. So uh... <laughs> don't, don't encourage him with laughter, boys. That's no good. Yes, yes. bring it. See, bring it, boys. Bring, bring it. it. Look at him. His yeah. anxiety bloke feeds on it. Feeds on the laughter <laughs> of shit-ass jokes. Um, it's, it's such, a, it's such an oxymoron. Like, it's a, the, the sultan of steel of a, and anxiety man. <laughs> 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 together they the the beautiful synthesis of life yeah um, lads we're coming up on an hour so i i wanted to finish up by asking you both i'll put you on the spot a little bit and and for listeners out there what's just give me one thing in terms of kind of your growth your mental and emotional growth becoming better better men um what's one thing that really helped whether it's a tool a resource um a reframe something that you worked on but what's one an thing? epiphany an epiphany um just one from each of you boys i'd love to know something out there um just for the listeners to know well 
the biggest, well, one of the biggest things for me um, was probably uh, the fact that before seeing Nick, I used to live in the fast lane. I was always two steps ahead of every situation that I was in. I was always thinking way forward. Um, so, yeah, at the moment, well, and hopefully going forward, um, I try to live more in the present moment and listen to people and try and learn from people and just sort of stay a bit grounded. Um, and, yeah, that's probably one of the biggest things that I've got in life now is the fact that I actually can enjoy the present moment rather than looking at what's happening next week or tomorrow or in the next hour. It's, yeah, just just staying grounded, I think. Amazing, amazing. And, and you won't know whether you're going to keep doing it because you don't think that far ahead now. It's, it's, it's yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> Cam, what about you, mate? <laughs> um, for me, for me, it definitely all boils down to awareness and whether that's, um, you know, sitting between stimulus and response, that awareness there, or awareness through uh, meditation, which, um, yeah, I've developed my own meditation practices um, through this and Nick's helped me along the way with that. And um, just those, just being aware of certain things like it, it helps with anything, whether it's awareness about a limiting belief, whether it's awareness about um, a habit that you didn't realise doesn't serve you anymore. It just all boils down to that awareness. And, and what does your what does your meditation practice look like at the minute? What's working for you? Oh, hang on. Before I answer that, Cam, remember remember I said I had a client who done like a hundred days meditation um, in a row. He was turning up when we're doing the online meditation. Um, and he'd sit in his car at the front of work and he'd do his meditation there. And this is this is the guy. This is who I was speaking about. He's, ah, so he's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Med- meditation man. Yeah, <laughs> meditation man, anxiety guy, beard guy, <laughs> the present person, <laughs> present person. <laughs> Isn't that we'll, we'll work on the we'll work we'll work on the we'll work on the branding for that. But <laughs> present person, Santa. Did you say Santa? <laughs> Santa. <laughs> It's like some politically correct Santa, like someone got fucking offended by the term Santa, so now they've got to call him present person in their house. <laughs> <laughs> it's non-binary. Non-binary, yeah, no, no, no colours. He represents Coca-Cola, the, the commercialised Santa. We call him present person. <laughs> Dressed all in black. Um, so, yeah, Cam, what's your meditation practice look like at the minute? Well, um, I think one of the first sessions with Nick, I said, I, I effing hate mornings. I hated getting up in the morning. Um, I would I'd struggle. That's when everything would flood my brain, anxieties, everything, what i got to do today, what, what's going to happen, what's not going to happen for me. So I'd um, really struggle getting up in the mornings and um, I would normally just get up, hit snooze, hit snooze, hit snooze, get up, quickly go to work. But now it's it's more mindful and, and slow. I'll, I'll um, get up, um, have a meditation space where I sit there. And at the start, I was doing like 40 minutes, half an hour. Now I do about 20 minutes every morning. And then I get up, have breakfast, enjoy breakfast, enjoy having a, a green tea, get ready for the day. The kids get up, we have a chat. And starting the day like that, um, you compare it to the end of the day, it's so much better. Um, you're just more lighter and it helps you be more aware and mindful throughout the day. Well, you're setting the tone for the day in the morning, aren't you? And if you think about the energy of hitting snooze all the time and then getting up and rushing, look, if you're hitting snooze in bed, it's like you're saying no to life. Because like when yeah. we wake up and get out of bed, we're about to engage with life and you're like, no. Not yet, not yet, not yet. And then you do get up and you're rushing and you go off to work. You're like, that's the, that's the, the theme for my day. Whereas yeah. like, you know, sitting and sitting in stillness with yourself for 20 minutes and mindfully having breakfast, what a different tone that is for the whole day. 
It is. Well, you, if, if, you, if you're hitting snooze, you, you're, you're entering immediately into suffering. You're starting the day in suffering because you've got an aversion to, to life. You've got an aversion to the, I, I don't want, you know, and it's, it's, it's immediately triggering you to go, no, no, no. And so you, you, it's going to yeah. be very difficult to pull yourself back out of that. Um, it is. You get stuck in that, so. you get stuck in that feedback loop where you're like oh you idiot you press snooze just get up next one and then you press <laughs> snooze again you're like oh you idiot you fucking press snooze again and then you keep doing it and it yeah. just compounds oh it's so labeling it's so true yeah. yeah yeah uh lads this has been unreal i've uh i've loved this chat i think the listeners are gonna love this chat i love both of your guys story and um really looking forward to, to connecting more and seeing where you guys go from here with life and everything and um yeah, i just want to say i appreciate you both for coming on today it's been a bit amazing oh thanks, thank Ron. you it's been fun thanks nick appreciate it. it's been I good Woo. i know i know chris went into some unnecessary suffering about you know, thinking about coming on the show so you did <laughs> great mate yeah you, you, you seemed very present and and good, good job i said to myself as i was driving to uh cam's house this morning i'll i'll let go of how the, what the outcome was going to be. Right. So I uh, just went with it and knew that uh, it would all unfold. Will be, it will be. And it did. It did. Who would have thought when we trust life, it works out okay? Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll, we'll see you all next week. This is uh, present person, uh, anxiety <laughs> bloke, meditation man. I don't know what the fuck I am, but I'll think of something for next week. See you later. <laughs> Guys, thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.